Hello and welcome to episode 27 of Decoding Security, presented by SiteLock. The weekend before last, we attended the DEF CON conference in Las Vegas. Uh, earlier in the week, though, was also uh, the, the Black Hat conference uh, that ended the day that the DEF CON started. Jess, why don't you uh, start us out today talking a little bit about Black Hat? Sure. Uh, before I get into Black Hat, I do want to address one quick news bite that we have because it's something we've been following pretty closely here on the podcast. Yesterday, uh, August 15th, the NIST Small Business Cybersecurity Bill passed and was signed into law. Uh, this bill is, aims to provide resources to small business owners, kind of a, a set of guidelines for how mm-hmm. to handle cybersecurity. It's super duper basic and it's not very detailed right now, uh, but the bill did include requirements to, that basically say, anybody should be able to implement these tips for free Mm -hmm. um, and they should be platform neutral. So it shouldn't matter what kind of technology your business is using um, so much as it, it, uh, you're taking kind of basic foundational steps. Uh, we don't want anybody to get a false sense of security from this bill, but it is a good kind of starting point. Right. Um, Which does kind of lead right into Black Hat because there was a lot of political talks at Black Hat this year. A lot of talks about legislation and how we can make uh, cybersecurity a requirement, looking at things like machine learning and AI. There was just really a lot going on at Black Hat. Uh, A couple of the biggest stories that we saw were um, uh, uh, security researcher CryptoWire Uh, released information about a firmware vulnerability that could affect as many as 10 million Android phones in the United States. Mm -hmm. Um, They're saying that this vulnerability is built into the firmware at the manufacturer level. It's not something that uh, consumers will be able to patch, but they also haven't released details about what the vulnerability is, except that it's got remote escalation privileges. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're also saying that uh, it does impact all carriers and it impacts multiple manufacturers. So we could be looking at a potential Android flaw, but they're waiting on the responsible disclosure process and working with the Department of Homeland Security before they decide how to handle it and release the details. Yeah, with that, that's such a a large scale. I mean, how many people out there have mobile phones? Exactly. So, yeah, it's it's definitely uh, something they want to try and figure out the, the patch if one is even possible. Yep. So that that was the really big kind of scary news that came out of Black Hat. Other than that, there was a heavy focus, like I said, on machine learning and AI. Um, right. They're saying it's coming into its own, which basically means that we're talking about um, AI being both weaponized and being useful to security researchers mm-hmm. as a, a kind of shield in the armor. So um, that it's going to be really interesting to see how how that impacts us going forward. Right. I, I know we talk about that a lot around the office here. Just there's so many useful applications for AI, but then we also have to be one step ahead of those who are using AI maliciously. Exactly. Um, we, they also looked at Internet of Things devices, which was a big focus at DEF CON as well. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, IoT is so new that it's still super duper vulnerable. So um, if you have smart home devices, I do recommend you know just getting online and looking at some of the research that came out of the cons uh, because that's going to be really, uh, really helpful for you in securing like your home Wi-Fi, making sure that you have everything in place that you possibly can to protect yourself from the vulnerabilities of IoT. Um, and with that, why don't you get us started on DEF CON, Topher? I know you had a really good time. Oh, I did. Uh, th- this was the first time I've been to DEF CON. And, you know, of course, I've been following it for a few years, but uh, uh, 
it's never the same hearing about it as actually going. So, you know, to actually be there immersed in just that that environment with that culture. Yeah. And and it really is a, a whole culture of, you know, hackers that, you know, and people use that word, uh, you know, thinking of like, oh, hackers are bad. Like, no, this is a bunch of people that were coming together, you know, out to really kind of better society is kind of the culture that yep. was there. Yep. Uh, and that, that was an amazing thing to see uh, just people from so many different backgrounds uh, coming together for th- this one single purpose, essentially, which, uh, you know, even though it was really broad and, and covered so many different topics, um, which, I mean, one of the biggest things that, that we saw this year uh, really was probably politics. Uh, you know, there was a lot to do with, uh, you know, hacking the voting machines. And, and, of course, you know, that's been kind of the big thing in the news coming out of DEF CON. Yep. Um, you know, you know, right down to, uh, you know, one of the big things was the the 11 year old that actually hacked the um, the voting the, results yeah the election results and was able to uh you know modify what was displayed on uh on the florida replica, election yeah, website yep uh replica of the website we should be clear on that it wasn't the actual website but um you know it was a duplicate copy yeah, that's. I dove right in. Politics is a big is a big passion project for me. I'm very politically active, especially since 2016. Um, so I dove right in and jumped into every political panel or lab that I could possibly find, which ate up my entire weekend. I was honestly really surprised at how much legislation was being discussed, how much policy was being discussed, how many officials were there. Right. The very first talk that I went to was from, uh, was by Jeanette Manfra from the Department of Homeland Security. And she talked about protecting political infrastructure in the United States, Mm -hmm. um, which I think we all thought was going to piggyback right onto the voting village and talk about how easy it is to hack voting machines, because that's the kind of splashy clickbait news we hear about. But Jeanette pointed out that that's not really what our adversaries are targeting. They want us to think they're targeting that, Mm -hmm. but they're really going for things that are easier and lower hanging fruit, like website security. You know, it's easier to deface an election result website than it is to try and manipulate actual votes at any kind of scale. Right. So their goal is really to kind of sow chaos and distrust in the process by doing things like defacing websites to remove polling places, to suppress particular voter demographics. It's, uh, it's really crazy. And there was another, another speech in the blue team village by a former CIA agent who kind of reinforced that same message, but with actual clips of KGB agents talking about their, their tactics and mm-hmm. basically saying, why is it so easy in America to sow this kind of distrust? So I think that's something that, that's coming out of DEF CON more and more now is kind of people seeing the low hanging fruit mm-hmm. and, our kind of white hat, good guy, superhero hacker culture trying to stop that, trying to lift that tree a little bit, which I thought was really awesome. I was also really impressed by just the the sheer inclusivity of the culture. You Mm. talked about how it's a group of people who, who have this name attached to them, this word hacker that's got this horrendous connotation to it, this villain 
persona, but they were so inclusive and everybody mm. was so nice. And they had talks on everything from cybersecurity as it pertains to sexuality and transgendered issues and sex work, all the way up to your bank has vulnerabilities and doesn't respect your two-factor authentication. They really right. kind of cover the whole spectrum. Yeah, speaking of the, the bank issues, man, that, that was kind of a scary talk to sit in <laughs> on. Just knowing how how all the banks are using this one system, and it's not that hard to get around. It's so old. In case you're not familiar with what Topher's talking about, there was a DEF CON 101 speech this year about the side door into your bank. It's not the front door with your two-factor authentication, and it's not a malicious back door. It's actually a protocol called OFX that they use to allow programs like QuickBooks and TurboTax to access your banking information, things that we use that are super, super convenient. Mm -hmm. Um, But they don't respect two-factor authentication requirements, and many banks don't even offer it still. Right. So... Yeah, beware of your financial institutions, I guess, is the takeaway there. <laughs> go into the bank. <laughs> yes, you should always go physically into the bank if it's if it's important. Or at least, you know, if you're using an app, um, use VPN. If you're yeah. using Quicken or Microsoft Money or Mint.com or whatever, I personally use the, the uh, sole proprietor, the self-employed app to track things like mileage for charity. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're doing that, make sure that you're connecting over VPN because all it takes is basically an account number and a session ID that's easily enumerated to get into these banks. Right. So at least do do whatever you can to make sure that the data being sent is not going to be readable. Yeah, hold yourself accountable for for that security. Um, and then I heard you hung out at the biohacking village, right? I, I did. I actually spent a little bit of time there. The The first talk that I listened to was uh, actually, it was kind of in the, the IoT village, but it was about uh, biohacking and like medical uh, devices and, and things like pacemakers and insulin pumps and how a lot of these things are actually on Wi-Fi networks now. And even your your home Wi-Fi, you can connect up and, and monitor these things through your uh, smartphone and through your, your computer over Wi-Fi. And it sounds great and like, oh, this is so easy. But, you know, there's there's problems with these devices. Like their default username and password is something that you can't change. And it's readily available just with a Google search. <laughs> yeah, and there are, there are literal, you guys, YouTube tutorials of children hacking these insulin pumps. And you you could murder somebody with an insulin pump if you wanted to. Right. It's I not mean, hard. It, it, there's no documented cases of it yet, but that's yet. the scary thing is yet. Documented. <laughs> yet. Right. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's something that's definitely possible and it's something that we need to really be pushing for better security on these devices. And yes, I understand the need for a default username and password because say you're traveling and something goes wrong with your pacemaker and you go to the hospital and you're catatonic, they need to be able to get into that device. Yep. So they need that default username and password. But the fact that it's readily available online, that's a problem. Yep. It's- and that was kind of a message, you know, when you say we need to hold this to the manufacturers. I think that was a message that kind of came across the whole con is we we as security professionals and our listeners at home who are into security, even as just a hobby or as just 
I only care about what impacts me. Get mm-hmm. involved in the conversations with the right. manufacturers. Get involved in policy conversations about legislation because the guys on Washington don't understand these words. They don't understand these terms. It's not a, a slight against them. It's just a fact. It's not their right. expertise. Yeah, that's they, they grew up in politics, not hacking and... And, and cybersecurity, yeah. right. So... We need our security professionals, our hackers. We're the ones who are responsible for going out and changing that connotation, changing the expectation and educating people. Right. So it, it kind of made me like really proud to be part of decoding <laughs> security, to be part of that community. Right. No, for sure. And and it's like just seeing where the community is going and how many people are pushing for uh, you know social change and political change as it relates to internet security, IoT security, just, you know, cybersecurity in general. Uh, and and honestly, the kids that were there, like there were so many kids learning these things. And in like even in, in some of these biohacking talks and stuff, like learning about, how, you know, not just how to hack things, but how to secure them. Right. And, you know, things like... You know, if my kid was there, he probably would have heard things like, you know, the the username and password on a sticky note on on a monitor. He probably would have been going off on like, that's ridiculous. How how are people still doing this? Yep. How have people not learned that that's not secure? Yep. Yeah. The the kids, I think, um, and there weren't a lot. There were probably a couple dozen kids. Yeah. And but I'm they sure they were definitely there. They were definitely there, but and they were prominent. I know that I lost a lock picking competition to a nine year old. I watched an eleven year old hack voting results in the voting village. They were prominent and they were adorable and inspiring. And you know what? They were included. They, they were. They nobody I didn't witness anybody talking down to the kids slighting the kids for not having the same amount of knowledge as the adults. The adults generally genuinely wanted to both educate and learn from right the kids and it's amazing what they can teach you <laughs> it really is and I, I think that's kind of my my biggest takeaway is that the community is where it's at right yeah. now and and it's really important to participate in that um i do want to cover kind of something that was really concerning for me and we're seeing a lot of news about it coming out now in the days post defcon uh, but it affected both defcon and black hat and also a couple of other conventions uh that mm-hmm. were in vegas at the same time there was a uh, queer con and there was also a furry con that were there um who who reported kind of similar incidents the security protocol for the hotels in Vegas has changed. Mm-hmm. Um, used to be whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas and you could kind of get away with whatever you wanted. Uh, obviously, things changed last October when Stephen Paddock climbed to the 34th floor at Mandalay Bay and unfortunately killed 50-something people and injured over 500. Um, so now Vegas hotels are kind of requiring elevator checks, keys to get up to the bigger floors, Um But what they're not really talking about when you check into your hotel is that there are now room checks. If Mm -hmm. nobody from the staff cleaning or janitorial has been in your room in more than 24 hours, a lot of these hotels that are owned by Caesars and MGM Grand are requiring that security be allowed into the hotel, Mm -hmm. into the room. In theory, this was because they want to just come in and do a quick visual check, make sure that you're not storing a bunch of firearms or human trafficking or whatever Mm. other nefarious thing they could be possibly thinking about there. What we found was that a lot of guests actually had things like their hacking equipment, their lock picks, their soldering irons, 
confiscated. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw men shouting at women through the door, demanding that hotel room doors be opened uh, by women who were traveling alone, staying in their room alone. I was in my room alone a lot of the day. I didn't have this experience, but I did. I've read reports and I've seen, you know, they did tell us that there were room checks happening. Uh, one, in one case, a guard or a sec- an alleged security guard walked into a hotel room with a key without even knocking, walked in on a naked female attendee. Um, this is really concerning. Right. Well, and that's that's the thing. Like, there, there's security, but then there's overstepping to the point where security is compromising security. Yeah, it's it's well known that a lot of assaults happen when people pose as authority figures, security mm-hmm. guards, police officers, military people. And and that's actually one of the biggest complaints that I heard, especially at the Caesars properties, was that like the security guards, like a lot of their badges, it sounded like were kind of faded or you know, or easily off or, forged or, yeah. or just paper or look like and, badges from a costume shop. Right. And it's how do you know the that's actually even a security guard. Like, you know, right. in this world, like, it's so easy for someone to get up there and pretend to be security and demand to be let in. And what do you do? Right. And they, they offered no authentication process. A lot of the security guards got really hostile when they were asked for their name mm-hmm. or their employee ID. Managers at the desk were not able to provide names of security personnel. Or were refusing to. Or were refusing to. Um, it was just a really kind of unfortunate aspect of the con especially with the encouragement of trying to get women into cybersecurity. right it's really scary for myself this was my first convention it was my first time traveling for business um it was my first time traveling alone honestly and it it's scary for me to think that next year when i go somebody could just waltz right into my room right and a lot of firms and a lot of attendees especially female attendees are saying they're just not going to return next year. Yeah. And that's a huge hit to the community. So I I hope that it's something that Caesars Palace and Las Vegas as a whole uh, take into account that these are security experts Mm -hmm. and take some of our suggestions that are coming out of the community. Now, for DEF CON's part, I know that they weren't in control of the situation and it appears that they're being really transparent about how they're handling it. So I hope they get it together. They've already announced that next year uh, the con won't be at Caesars Palace. It's going to be in Paris. Uh, At Paris, not in Paris. (laughs) God, I wish, right? (laughs) Right. Um, It's going to be at the Paris Hotel, but that is also a Caesars property. So it remains to be seen how those protocols are going to change over the next year. Now, I do have to applaud DEF CON and the way that they're handling this because they are... Like you said, they're being very transparent about how they're handling it, but they are also making it very clear that they are holding Caesars Entertainment responsible for this and for the mishandling. Now, the thing is, a lot of this, like, their security people were not supposed to be going through personal belongings, opening bags, opening drawers. It was supposed to be a quick visual overview of the room, uh, and it sounds like they really overstepped and went beyond what their policy stated. Yeah, there's actually video evidence of them rifling through people's belongings. Right. Um, and then in one case, uh, rifling through taking pictures and joking amongst themselves with the guest in the room about how they were going to post it on Snapchat. So there's a lot of, uh, obviously, individuals who are not 
not holding the standards that are part of the policy and and the policy itself needs work. Right. Yeah, the policy itself is pretty extreme, but the fact that they took it that much further, honestly, like I would be happy if they just dialed it back next year to what the policy is. Right. And if the the hotel management was holding the security staff responsible to follow the policy. Yeah. Um, I do think the policy needs a little bit of work in terms of being able to authenticate the staff. And and that's an easy fix. And it also should be posted. That was something that I noticed. You know, we stayed at a a Caesars Caesars property and that policy wasn't posted. Yeah. So post it, include it in the room reservation so we know what we're getting into and, and hold your people accountable. It's not... I don't think it's rocket science, and I don't want it to take away from everything that was great about this weekend. Because there was a lot that was great. There was a lot that was phenomenal, but it is something that I think we need to talk about. So, you know, take that for what you will. What, what's, our, what's our takeaway this week? Uh, well, I mean, basically for the, the final tip, one of the best pieces of advice that I got uh, at the convention, I wish I could remember who had said this. Uh, but it was basically talking about learning to code. So I know, you know, a lot of our, our watchers and listeners probably, uh, you know, either they want to expand what coding knowledge they have or they want to get into it because they haven't yet. But obviously, if they're paying attention to us, it's something that they've at least got a general interest in. Sure. Uh, so the, the tip really is if you want to learn to code, read a lot, code a little, repeat. Uh, Basically, you're not going to learn as much from just diving in and coding everything you possibly can because you're not reading enough new stuff. You're you're learning just enough to get by and just enough to make what you're trying to do work, but you're not learning the the mentality behind the coding and the the how-tos. You're just learning the here's what works for this scenario. Yep. Um, So yeah, read a lot, code a little, repeat. Baby steps. Baby steps. It's the baby steps of coding. And it's going to be an exponential graph of learning there. With that, though, uh, thank you, Jessica. And uh, I want to thank you, our watchers and listeners, for uh, tuning in. And be sure to subscribe on uh, Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, wherever else you may be watching or listening so that you don't miss any future episodes. Also, be sure to check out our first anniversary live stream on September 19th. We will have additional details coming in the next couple of episodes. Uh, And if you have any questions for the Decoding Security team, feel free to reach out to us by email at podcastsitelock.com or on Twitter at Sitelock. The music at Beat Forever by Kevin McLeod of Incomputech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License. Decoding Security is hosted by Jessica Ortega and Ram Dahl and hosted by Topher Tebow for Sitelock.